Praise God. Well, why don't we get into God's Word today before we uh, end our time together. And I want to direct you uh, to uh, another Christmas story. We started a, a series last week called A Christmas Like No Other. And what we want to do is take some of the stories and the people from Christmas and kind of unpack those stories a little bit and then apply uh, all of this to our own lives and and how we walk out our own faith in God. And this morning, I'd love to direct your attention to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. Last week, we talked about a name like no other. And we looked at that verse that identifies Jesus as wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Today, we're going to look at a story uh, that we typically uh, say is the story of the wise men. But I will tell you that there are actually three people, or at least groups of people, that we can learn from just in this passage here from Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And again, I want to look at the whole idea of a king, Jesus, like no other. And so if you're able to, would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, and we will go to verse 12, okay? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, uh, from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly. The Magi, by the way, are the wise men, okay? Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the Lord. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. That was a lie, by the way. Okay. Verse 9, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Jesus, I pray that you would take this passage of Scripture that many of us have heard and seen uh, acted out many times. Lord, I pray for something new to catch our hearts today as we look at it together. And Lord, I'll thank you for all that you do. Speak to us now through your powerful word, and we will thank you for what's done in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. A king like no other. So this is the story of um, the wise men. All right. Now, let me correct some things because tradition sometimes has kind of affected our beliefs and our understanding of the Christmas story. All right. First of all, they were not kings. Okay, so that's why we don't sing We Three Kings here. I know it's a pretty song. It's just biblically inaccurate. And so there, there were not three kings. And furthermore, we're not even so sure there were three of them. There might have been a dozen of them. There might have been two dozen of them. Who knows? But they did bring three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, and... I could say a lot of other things that would really wreck your nativity scenes. And uh, I mean, wow. But I'm not going to do that today because it's giveaway week and I'm trying to be nice, okay? But we certainly can learn a lot about this story. And specifically today, on the subject of Jesus being a king like no other, I want you to know that it's really your choice as to how you respond to King Jesus. Not just the little baby in in the manger, but the one who, as we already had communion, the one who died for you. The one who rose from the dead, the one that is alive now and is still alive today. We, We actually see three distinct responses to this king that we call Jesus. And I will tell you that every single person within the sound of my voice today, you would fit in one of these categories, whether you even realize it or not. And I want to unpack that for you today. Uh, So first of all, I want to look at Herod, King Herod. You have a choice today to, first of all, resist the King Jesus. You've got a choice today to resist him. Understand that Jesus is a perfect gentleman and he will never force himself on you or anybody. So if we're going to accept Jesus as king, we have to do that in our hearts. Jesus won't make that happen. For those of you who are praying for somebody who might be far from God, you need to understand that they have to allow King Jesus into their hearts. They need to allow that to take place. God's not going to make that happen. And so unfortunately, before that moment takes place, there are people like King Herod who choose to resist Jesus as king. Look again at verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, came to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. And then King Herod said, woo, new holiday. That's not what he said. King Herod heard this, and he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod was not happy that there was another king in town. 
You know what's interesting? And, I, and I've seen this as the foundation for a lot of people's spiritual hang-ups. And that's the word insecurity. People become threatened by other people. If we see somebody who's more talented than we are, if we see somebody who has a, uh, maybe, quote, more success than we do, we feel insecure about that. And then, as a result, instead of rejoicing that they're, like, ladies, come on, you, you see some pretty gal walk in, okay, I've heard you, not you, but I've heard, it's like, oh, look at her, legs for days, mm-hmm. it's like, really? Not everyone's going to be the most beautiful or the most handsome. I've conceded that a long time ago. And here's the deal. Uh, The Lord had to tell me, uh, young in my ministry, that there was always going to be somebody, quote, better than me. Always. Always. And if I could just be secure in who I am in Christ, I'm going to go far in my walk with him. I don't know what success looks like. I don't know what this looks like or that looks like, but I can tell you that if I can stay secure in who I am in Jesus, that will make a profound impact on my life. But back to King Herod. All of a sudden, he finds out that there is this child that's born king of the Jews, and he wants to protect his kingship, if you will. In fact, we find out later in the scriptures that he was so threatened by this that he ordered the execution of every boy two years old and younger. That's how insecure and threatened he was by this king. I was going to attack your nativity scenes again, but I'm not going to do that. But Jesus, at this time, was probably around two years old, okay? Boy, that's some of your faces just like, what? I got that on sale at Walmart. Hang on. It's all good. It's all good. All right? It's pretty. So he was so insecure that he actually executed all those children. Think of that, if you would. No one's going to take my place as king. No one's going to be in charge but me. No one's going to be in control except for me. Oh, sometimes it's not just kings that say that. Is it? See, the question is, okay, you're talking about King Herod, but I'm not a king, so this doesn't apply to me. Oh, hang on. Let me show you what this actually looks like for us to resist Jesus as king. Maybe we make the statement, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. Oh, I love those people. You know what? And and leaders, listen to me. If you ever have somebody with that attitude, don't let them near you. They will be more uh, pain and strain 
than they are a help to you in whatever you're leading. That was totally free. Leadership tips from Phil Anderson. Dun, dun, dun. The more you know. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I'm in control. And you see, here's the thing. We love Jesus being our Savior because we don't want to go to hell. But we don't like Him being Lord because that means He's also in control. So what do we do? We, we resist King Jesus as King because we want to be in control. Or maybe, maybe we'll say, I don't want to let some outdated book tell me how to live. And our culture is trying to throw that out right now. My goodness, that's actually bled in to many churches, even in our nation, where people are now questioning what this book says, and they think that things need to evolve. That's the beauty of the Word of God, by the way, is it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if your moral compass is not consistent, then you're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down in your life because what is governing you and what is ruling your decisions keeps changing. But God's Word does not change. And the problem is that maybe we resist Jesus as king without really knowing it because we want to remain in control. And see, and, and here's the deal. Pastor, I believe in God's word. Come on. I obey most of those commandments. Right? And, and, it's, and it's the most great. But how about that 1% or 2% that, nah, I don't really want to obey that one. And that's where Jesus is resisted as king. It, you, we resist Jesus as king usually when Jesus starts messing with the stuff that we like, the stuff that we enjoy, the stuff that we find pleasure in that is contrary to the Word of God. And we have to say, Lord, I submit to you completely, completely. The old song says, I surrender all, not I surrender most. Can you imagine if that was on the screen? I surrender most. We give it all. We give it all to God. So yes, the Lord does tell me what to do. And sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes it takes me outside my comfort zone. Sometimes the Lord says, Phil, keep your mouth shut. Do you know how hard that is for me? Some of you are like, yes, we do. That's tough. Sometimes the Lord has to remind me, don't repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Sometimes King Jesus has to still mold me and shape me, and, and it hurts to be molded and shaped and stretched. But if we don't let that happen, we're resisting King Jesus. Here's the second response. And this time I look at the, at the priests that Herod talked to. 
And sometimes we don't really give this a lot of thought, but the second response would be to not only resist the king, but just flat out reject the king. Just reject him. And, and what's the difference, Pastor? I want to remind you <laughs> that these are the religious people. I want to remind you that these are the people that could quote the scriptures. Okay? Herod's freaking out. There's another king. Hey, priests, I don't even like you, but come here and tell me about this king. And they quote from the book of Micah. Look how this goes in verses 4 and 5 and and 6. It says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. So this is what the prophet has written, and here's where they quote the book of Micah. But you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. If anyone should have been excited about this star and about this child being born, it should have been the religious people, the chief priests. They should have said, whoa, Bethlehem, that's just five miles away. We're just a few miles away. It's not like they had to like load up the Winnebago and then travel like 800 miles to the king. He was right there. And being so close, they didn't go. Even having the Bible knowledge, they didn't go. And yet, they were just five miles away from God's absolute best. Just five miles. You know, I wonder today, how many, how many people are very accustomed to church? They could rattle off some scripture verses. They, they know the church thing. You've got the church drill down, whatever that is. And, and we are just five miles away from experiencing God's absolute best in our lives. We're, we're, we're close enough. We're close enough that it looks like we've got it together. I can quote verses to you, but am I actually experiencing God's best? Do you know what I've done? I, I've, I've actually made the decision to reject him as king because I'm settling for what I would call five-mile-away faith. And by the way, these are the churchy people that I'm talking about. Not total strangers to God. Sometimes we're five miles away from God's best when we have the question, do I want to go to church consistently or not? Uh, when we're posed with the question, do I, do I want to read God's word? Not, not just hear it preached at me on Sunday, but 
do I want to read God's word for myself or not? <laughs> Folks, there are, there are pastors, there are ministers in remote countries that don't even possess a Bible in their language. Some of you have probably 10 of these in your house. Not to mention electronically on your phone or your device. We're just five miles away from getting all that God has for us. No one's stopping any of us from praying. Nobody. Nobody. But, but I'm so busy. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm too busy. Uh, if you're too busy to pray, yeah, you're too busy. But where's Jesus in all this? You know, how about the mission in sharing the love of Jesus with a world that needs him so desperately? You, you can do it while I can't preach. We don't need any more preachers. Well, we do, but, but not here. At least I don't think, right? Are we good? All right. I'm not asking you to preach another sermon. But I don't have your testimony. I don't have your experience with Jesus that you could share with somebody else. That, that God gave you that. And you're just five miles away from making a difference in somebody's life. Just five miles away. What little thing could you change to experience God's best? All those priests had to do was start walking. Maybe get a camel. Uber camel. Who knows? And <laughs> Uber camel. That was so corny. And just, just get there. To see the king. The one that they could quote scriptures about. And they didn't. What are, what are you... What are you hesitant to do that could be so easy, so easy that you could experience God's best in your life? And then the final response today would be that of the wise men. And thank God you have the choice today to receive the king, to receive him. Yeah, yeah, you, you, can, uh, you can resist him, and God will let you do it. You can reject him, and God will let you do that. But the Lord's desire is that you would receive him completely. Now, look how they received the king. And again, we've seen this acted out. Uh, those of you who had to wear your bathrobe to be a wise man... When you were a kid, acting this out, okay? Maybe you were one of those guys, okay? The towel on your head, just really quality costume stuff here. But let, let's not get lost in all the tradition that we've seen over the years that we don't digest what they did here. Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Herod had no desire, by the way, to worship him. Herod wanted to kill him. OK? 
Okay, we understand this, right? Why? Because he was insecure, and he was resisting him as king. Next verses, verses 11 and 12. After they had heard the... Oh, I already said that. Let's go to the next verses. Verse 11, verse 11 says this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down... Catch this. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Boy, there's so much here. The wise men, they, 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 they bowed down and they worshipped Jesus as king. It would have been one thing to say, hey, we found him. Selfie. That's going to be great in my Snapchat. Uh, but the, they, they didn't. When, when they got into the presence of Jesus, in the presence of the very one who became like one of them, what did they do? They went to the most surrendered posture to someone that you could have to show reverence. If you want to really show reverence to somebody, the the most complete way to show surrender and reverence, bow. There was nothing about them that was prideful. There was nothing about them that was about their own desires. They didn't even need to be worked up into worshiping Jesus. Can you believe that? It's like, hey, Joseph, while you're standing there, five, six, seven, eight. Mm -hmm. They were were just in the presence of Jesus, and they bowed and surrendered to him. That's significant. Because... Our whole life, our whole life of devotion to Jesus starts with that word, surrender, reverence. And see, once we do that, we can offer him our gifts. You might not have a whole lot of gold, frankincense. You don't even know what myrrh is. But, but, but maybe, maybe you can offer your life to him. You could offer your time. Maybe you think that volunteering for an event this weekend isn't much. I, I will tell you, I will tell you that it is significant. It is significant. Giving of your talent, giving of your treasure to the Lord, that, 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 that's the response. What, what can you do to show complete, total surrender to the Lord? What's, what's your response to the king? Jonathan, can you help me? What's your response to the king? King Herod made a choice 
the priests made a choice and the wise men made a choice. And this morning I present you with those same three choices. And trust me, every single person in here, you are making one of those choices whether you realize it or not. Maybe your choice is, well, I want to do things my way more than God's way. I'm more com- maybe you, <laughs> maybe you think you are the exception to the Bible. You're not. You know what you're doing? You're resisting him. And there's is there an element in your life where, where that's coming into play? You're, you're resisting him. That's not the response that we need today. Or, or maybe you find yourself saying this, you know, that this whole, this God thing, uh, it, it's good for other people. This whole God thing is good for other people, but uh, I really don't need it. This is not a God thing. There are people in this room, me included, that have, we have almost given our lives physically for this God thing. There are people in here who would be dead if it wasn't for this, quote, God thing. There are people here that certainly would not be in a church if you were alive. This is not a God thing. Because if that's the way you feel, then actually what you're doing is rejecting Him. The Lord would say that I've got something that is way better than you'll ever experience. A relationship with me. This is not a religion. This is a relationship. I cannot rely on religion to heal me. I cannot rely on religion to radically change someone's life. But I could rely on Jesus Christ to do so. Or maybe your response is that displayed by the wise men that says, with everything in me, I really want to know him as the king of my life. And see, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. Wherever you might be in your spiritual journey, maybe you're still kind of new to this, or maybe you've been serving Jesus for a long, long time. You've got a piece of the ark somewhere in your mantle, okay? That's how long you've known God, all right? But in all seriousness, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, we can all say this to God. We can say, God, with everything within me, I want to know you as my king. I just want to know you as my king. I want to give you everything. I want to give you my my life, my time, my my talent, my treasure. God, I I surrender it all to you. All my troubles, Lord God. Hey, don't give God your your talent without giving him your troubles. Sometimes we'll say, oh God, I'll do this for you. But then 
We want to handle things our own way. Give them everything. Don't know who that was for. Give them everything. I just want to know you as my king. I want to know you as my king. Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about just how accessible Jesus is to us. How amazing that we don't have to go through hoops. We don't have to go through a bunch of red tape. We don't have to have three people answer the phone before we could actually talk to our Lord. He's accessible. He's there for us. And he wants us to get to know him. Church, could your response to King Jesus be this? Lord, I, I bow and surrender to you. And that means you get everything. And I give you my gifts. I give you my life. Understand that after the wise men did that, God spoke to them and said, I've got a safer way for you to go. Don't go back to Herod. Go another way. I think it's at those moments, man, I need to hear from God. I think it's at those moments that we say, God, I just surrender completely to you. That that's when he tends to speak to us in ways that we weren't expecting. And he might say, you know what? Don't go this way. Go this way. Don't do that. Do this. Don't be led that way. Go this way. It all starts. It all starts by surrendering to him. Would you stand with me? Could we bow our heads, please? We're going we're gonna to close and there's going to be a lot of activity in this entire building pretty soon. But before that starts, I want to make sure that the activity that needs to happen with our king gets taken care of before anything else. And so let's pray. Can we do that? Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to me. Show me what I need to do, Lord God. With heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder today, is there, is there someone, you'll say, wow, you know what? I've been, I've been rejecting God. I didn't even realize how badly I was doing so. I've been resisting him. I'd rather stay in control than do things his way. I need to make some changes. I need to give myself completely to the Lord. I, I, I want to surrender brand new to the Lord. Whether you've been saved for a day or you've been saved for decades, this could be you. You say, Pastor, that's what I need. I, I, I need to surrender completely to my king. If that's you, could I just ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down? I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Thank you. There's someone else. I need to surrender completely to my king. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're in this boat where, you know, it's, it's been a while. And, and yeah, you've been around the king, but... It's been a while since you really surrendered to him. And, and you would say, I don't want to be five miles away from God's absolute best in my life. 
I want to do the little thing that will help me experience God's best. If that's you, I want to pray for you as well. Could you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Yes, yes. Number of hands going up. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I think I want all of us to uh, repeat this prayer with me. And you're not praying to the guy on stage. You're, you're, we're praying to the Lord above. So can we all talk to our king? Why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and becoming like me. Today, I will not resist you. I will not reject you. But I receive you. I choose to surrender my life, my work, my troubles, my family, my situations. I give it all to you. Help me to experience your best for my life. And I thank you for being my king. Now, would you just take a few moments where you're at and just thank him for being your king? Would you do that, Lord? Thank you. Thank you. I don't need to make a long journey. Thank you, Lord God, that you are hard. You're not hard to find. God, you're right there. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I pray for a blessing upon every single person that's part of the service today. I pray that you would bless our coming and our going. I pray, God, that you would keep us safe throughout this entire week. I pray that you meet every single need. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not lose your message for us today at all. But God, may we live this thing out all week long. God, I pray for favor as you use this incredible church family to touch so many for you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Amen. In five minutes, we're going to start moving things around. So that gives you time to hug a few necks. If God's releasing you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.